Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. Gus. Oh, he's got onions. Gus. He's got onions. What's up, everyone? It's Christmas Day for us, 2.0, on the day Tom Brady unretires from football. We have a bracket in our hands for the first time since, well, last year. Ryan, how you doing today? Doing well. I'm excited. Um, this is going to be fun, so we're going to kind of review the NCAA tournament from a Big East perspective, because obviously that's our, uh, that's our conference, that's what we cover. So uh, we're going to go through these matchups that we just, were just announced, looked at, look at where, uh, where each team kind of lines up. So Ryan, I have one big question for you. Um, how many brackets are you supposed to fill out every week, every year? I do two, just two. Are, are, do you do two that you end up settling on, or do you have? Well, two? you need to have one official bracket. Okay, but but how many do you think over the course you do? Practice brackets? over the week. Oh, the practice bracket. Yeah, well, the practice bracket. you should be thinking about it in your sleep. You got to be dreaming about it. You know, I mean, by the time you put pen to paper, you should already have it figured out. Like if you're not thinking about this Memphis Boise State game tonight, I don't. You're on the wrong podcast. Yeah, don't the wrong to our spot. podcast. Um, we are going to obviously have a little bit of a Big East taste to it. Fresh off the Big East uh, tournament. Congrats to Villanova for winning. Um, but we have a lot of, you know, games to go over. We did some preliminary research, but we're interested to see where we find um, as we go through these games. The cool thing about the NCAA tournament is I think somebody said it's kind of like exotic almost that you are playing a team that you probably haven't played a lot this year. In a lot of these cases, you probably haven't seen a lot of these teams. Um, I know that you're looking at Seton, or Creighton is playing, uh, not the Creighton, um, Marquette is playing University of North Carolina, UNC. So that's probably a team that they people might be more familiar with. But New Mexico State, San Diego State, South Dakota State, TCU, Delaware, we're looking at some teams we haven't seen a lot of. So um, I, th- I think we'll have some interesting conversations to see where we end up landing on this. We're obviously going to be picking biggies, but we do have some lines for you, too, that just came out. So, Yeah, uh, so you want to get started. We're going to start on the top left of your bracket, move down, then move over to the top of your right bracket. Yeah. So you can follow along on your own bracket. And we don't have any game times right now. Um, this is about 7 o'clock on Sunday. So we're looking for game times to come through. So we're sorry it's not in perfect chronological order, but we do have uh, – we're going to go just left, down, right, down. All right, so the first Big East matchup that we have is number 5, UConn, taking on number 12, New Mexico State. Ty, what are you thinking? What, what, what's it look like to well, you? First, UConn uh, opens up at a minus seven against New Mexico State. That uh, tells me the odds makers are expecting UConn to advance. Um, a lot of these are really close. Um, I, you know, w- we know what UConn is at this point. They are a defensive-oriented team. Um, for, the, for the year, they held their team to the best, um, second be- or fifth best two-point shooting team um, in the country. They held their team to the fifth worst shooting percent for two-point for two pointers, um, UConn looked like they got it going a little bit offensively at certain times, but they still don't grade out as being one of the best offensive teams. They're going to rebound. They're going to play. They have the athletes to play. Um, 
Right, and that's what Danny Hurley will tell you in any press conference. We're defense and rebounding team first, elite athletes. Um, you know, they got a ton of length, especially two through four. They're very, you know, Andre Jackson, Tyrese Martin are plus-plus defenders. Um, so that's what they're kind of bringing to the table. And I think they're a very hard matchup for a mid-major because you're just not seeing that level of athleticism and athletes. And, you know, just looking when we were doing this, um, UConn is one of the worst defending teams in the country uh, guarding the three-pointer. Um, while they're one of the best teams in the country guarding the two, they rank 243rd in the country defending the three. So you look and you're thinking if there's a recipe for an upset here, it's going to be one of those mid-major teams, maybe like a South Dakota State who has the best three-point shooting team. But you move on to um, New Mexico State here, and they're ranked 244th shooting three. So you think that that, um, weakness for UConn is not going to really be, um, you know, going to be on full display because the New Mexico State, I don't think they have the players looking at, you know, just based on the stats I'm seeing to, uh, you know, shoot the three and make UConn pay for that. Right. In terms of advanced stats, the place where um, the New Mexico State Aggies are elite are at offensive rebounding and two point percentage completion. So they're good at getting in the paint and scoring and get, getting their own And what rebounds. is UConn good at? UConn is great at rebounding and UConn is great at defending the two. I mean, one of the things we should preface this with by saying is, and you brought up a good point when we were talking, um, New Mexico State is in the WAC conference, uh, the Western Athletic Conference. When we're talking about, you know, they make twos at a 55% clip this year, that is also going against the WAC. Um, UConn, obviously, was going against the Big East. All these guys are going against right. the Big East. So we don't, I mean, we're not going to be able to tell you exactly how great of a three-point shooting team or a two-point shooting team they are. Because have they ever faced an Isaiah Wade? No, no, but that's how they've gotten to the tournament. Yes, it's by being elite at that. You want to call out a couple players. They do have the WAC player of the year, Teddy Allen. He is a transfer from Cal, so he is used to P5 competition. So he should not be phased. He's 6'6 guard out there. Yeah, he averaged 19 points a game, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. Um, 6'6, you know, guard, or 6'6 forward, um, a junior. It looks like he had a, you know, he obviously had a really good year out there, but... You know, UConn has some perimeter defenders. And he leads the team in minutes played. He leads the team in scoring. He's got one of the highest usage rates of anybody uh, around. Um, I think that a lot of – they're going to rely on him a lot. And uh, so we're looking to see Tyrese Martin on him. Yeah, Tyrese Martin on him or Andre Jackson. Uh, six foot six. Uh, kind of both of those guys can play him. You know, I think Andre Jackson and Tyrese Martin are the kind of the same size. I'd have to see if he's more of a physical go- uh, forward. Like if he's backing people down, you're probably putting Tyrese – or if he's more of a high flyer, you're probably putting Andre Jackson on him. Um, but I'm sure Hurley will have a game plan there for him. Yeah, so pretty confident in UConn on the, in this. Yeah, one. and you know what? I, again, I don't want to take a lot on the odds makers are saying, but you don't normally see a 5-12 matchup where you're getting almost you're getting seven points already. Um, I think that they're saying that they think UConn has a you know ability. It look New Mexico State just looks like what they do well. UConn does better. I agree. I think that's pretty much the matchup is that they're. Pretty good at it, and UConn is elite, number three in the country at offensive rebounding. And, a real con- and I'm in a real con- – I don't want to dislike, but like in a, in a piece six conference. Yeah, absolutely. So um, real quick reaction to the rest of their uh, path. They've got the winner of Arkansas-Vermont and then the winner of Gonzaga, Georgia State, Boise State, Memphis. Yeah, so I see for – I Vermont had an incredible year this year. Um, I don't want to say anything bad about that, but we're probably looking at Arkansas – um, I don't know a whole lot about them. I'll be diving into them if UConn is lucky enough to get past New Mexico State. Um, the game that's going to obviously stand out is if UConn plays Gonzaga, and we'll get into that a lot more, hopefully, if there's a, you know, we want every Batiste team to advance, but especially our Huskies. Uh, Gonzaga, you know, is going to, 
whoever they play are going to provide a myriad of... And Gonzaga is the number one seed overall yep. in the entire tournament. So um, a rough draw for Connecticut there to see them in their potentially their second game. But Yeah, you know, you, but that, you know you're going to have to beat the best. And if UConn is going to go on a run like they've gone on in the past... Um, they'll work, they'll already be in the Sweet 16, and they'll have already played a good Arkansas. And they got two games to play before that, so they don't want to look ahead. Yeah, absolutely. New Mexico State is ready to go for UConn. So, what's our next game, Big East style? Moving down the bracket, we're talking number eight UNC versus number nine Marquette. Yeah. So, um, the line is Marquette right now plus three. Again, all this might change by Thursday. Not trying to say this is final. Someone gets hurt. Something happens. Um, Marquette is you know tale of two seasons. You guys know they started off. Tell three seasons. They start off 0-3. They go on that crazy run and you know in the middle of the year and then they end the season kind of limping. Um and then they lose to Creighton in the first round of the Big East tournament. Um Marquette is full of incredibly good athletes, led by Justin Lewis and Daryl Morcel. They are one of the best teams in the country at um scoring the basketball. Um no, they're not one of the best. They're middle team at scoring the basketball, 89th in the country. Um defensively. We saw stretches where I thought Marquette was the best team defensively in the country um, with their athletes. And you put Daryl Morcel, the reigning Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year on the team, and Justin Lewis and Kirk Wath. Um, there was a time Kirk Wath was Big East Defensive Player of the Year frontrunner. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought that uh, you know Marquette obviously fell off, but I'm not going to underestimate Shaka Smart and what he can do. Shaka Smart's an excellent, excellent defensive coach. Uh, they're all they're kind of similar to UConn in you know their defensive structure is very similar. They have a lot of great athletes. Um, you know, they're very mobile. They don't play a true five. Kirk Oeth is, you know, a rim runner. He could be a four on a different team. So, you know, that's kind of what they're bringing. But UNC is a much better team than uh, New Mexico State. Yeah, Marquette's going to look to rebound. They were one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the country this year. So we're going to have to see if they are able to rebound. Um, that's kind of what messed, you know, they were 216th best rebounding team in the country this year. UNC um, is the second best rebounding team in the country. It comes down to, our, you know, luckily... Because we were kind of obsessed with UNC last year because we thought they were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, we know a little bit about them. They still have Leaky Black, uh, Caleb Love, and Armando Baycock. And they have... Um, and who's coming home? Uh, Dawson Garcia. D- no, Dawson Garcia is missing the rest of the year with a family oh, issue. Oh, that is right. I apologize. So he's not going to be playing in this game. Um, but U- University or UNC had a really interesting season. They, you know, the a- ACC was down this year, which is... Very weird to me because then we put five teams in the tournament. So what are we doing? They went 15-5 and five in the ACC. Um, you know, they lost some games they should have won. Um, but, you know, they lost to Miami and they lost to Wake Forest on back-to-back games. Um, they lost to Duke. But, you know, the season ends with them kind of upsetting Duke um, on Coach K-Day and beating Virginia Tech before losing in the tournament to Virginia Tech of 59-72. Virginia Tech ended up winning. Um, I really like this UNC team. Brady Manick. Uh, was you know played really well this year. He was a he's a stretch kind of five stretch four ish kind of player where he can step out and he can hit the three. Where did he go to school last year? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. He was I I really liked him. Um, I don't think this is a great. Draw. I think this might be one of the highest eight nine level games because just the sheer athleticism on both teams. This yeah. is not going to feel like a. 8-9 where you have two mid-majors playing. UNC is not going to be scared at all by Marquette's yeah. athleticism, uh, kind of the opposite of what we said for New Mexico State. Uh, I agree. I think Armando Baycott's just one of the best players in the country. He's going to get drafted, it looks like. He offensive rebounds at the highest rate of anybody in the country, which is a really tough draw for Marquette, who has trouble rebounding. Yeah, and Armando Baycott, you know, piggybacking on that, you know, he's 16 points, 12 and a half rebounds. 
you know, assist a game. He he played a really he had a great year. Caleb Love had a much better year. Um, yep. Than he had last year. He kind of struggled with the shooting last year, but he had 15 points a game. Um, I'm looking at who know. guards Daryl Morsell. It's got to be Love or Davis probably. But Morsell might need a Hercules. But who's guarding effort. Justin Lewis? Is is Armando Baycott going to guard no, Justin Brady Lewis? Manic. I think that's a great mismatch for Justin Lewis. Where he's post on the perimeter. He's more and if he can take him off the bounce, Justin Lewis could have a big game. But Justin Lewis has faded a little bit. I mean, as much as I thought he had an incredible season, Justin Lewis went from being, you know, the player, player of the year in the <laughs> Big East. And now he is kind of more, um, you know, it's kind of been Daryl Morsell's team down the stretch a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem they've run into down the stretch is that Morsell and Lewis are the only guys that can score. Um, it, and even as I'm saying it, he scored 28 points for St. John's in 26. But there are a bunch of 11-point efforts in here. How did he shoot um, from three over his last few games? Can you pull that up? Yep, I can if you this give me a Lewis? second. Yeah, so Lewis over his last – let's go with this. I'm just taking a random number, but I'm going to go over his last six games. He shot 32% from three, but he was shooting six a game, and I'm only making about two. Yeah, so he's down a little bit there. Um, I think – you might need a 20-point effort from him and a 20-point effort from Marcel for them to win this game. Yeah, and UNC can get cold um, shooting the ball. They showed a tendency this year that, you know, Armando Baycock isn't incredibly offensively gifted, but um, he's, you know, he's very physical player. Yep. So if Caleb Love and Leaky Black shots aren't falling and you're able to – Justin Lewis does a good job on Brady Manick, um, I could see Marquette winning, but I do think this is a really tough draw. Um, because I think UNC just has the athletes to keep up with Marquette, where if they got scheduled, you know, against a mid-major or something, I think Marquette could kind of overwhelm them with their athleticism. Yeah, and uh, just taking a quick look at the rest of their bracket, they'll be playing, if they win that game, they'll play the winner of Baylor, Norfolk State. Baylor is the last number one team in, so not as rough of a draw for them, but... It's hard to see a path for them. Yeah, uh, I will say I'm not high on Baylor this year. Watching a few games, um, they a lot of their players were hurt this year, so they never really had an opportunity to click. Um, you know, we saw the potential, and they are still the one seed. So saying that they couldn't click is kind of funny too. But um, you know, I could see Baylor getting up if Marquette makes it. Marquette's athletes with Baylor's athletes, at least we're talking about the same ballpark. Yeah, actually, I like that take. I think yeah. that's a good point. And same for UNC. UNC's athletes against Baylor's athletes, we're talking about the same ballpark. Yeah, uh, I think Marquette plays a more similar game to Baylor than yeah. uh, UNC does. Ba- you know, Marquette needs to be connected on defense, getting those deflections that Shaka Smart loves. Yeah. Um, if they don't do that, they're going to get blown out. Yep. So, I mean, unfortunately, this is where, in my bracket, I'm going to have Marquette winning, but I'm going to try to stay away from this game with a lot of different things because I just... I, you know, I don't know if this is a good matchup. I agree. Moving over to the top right of the bracket, we've got Seton Hall, TCU. TCU plays in the Big 12. They're the nine seed, excuse me. Seton Hall is the eight seed. Um, you got any quick takeaways here? Yeah, so if we're looking at Seton Hall, first of all, Seton Hall right now is favored by one point. Um, Seton Hall plays graded out as a very good defensive team this year. Um, I think you see that with Ike Obiagu. You see that with Jared Roden, who's a good defender. Trey Jackson's big. They have athletes. Um, defensively, if you give me a second. Um, defensively, they rank you know as one of the top 30 or 25 uh, of giving up the two and top 50 of giving up the three um, percentage-wise. Um, top 100 of points allowed. Um, but their offense is what struggled this year, and this is what we saw. They are not a incredibly efficient offense, especially when they're relying on Roden to shoot 18, 19 times a game. Um, they rank toward, you know, towards the middle of the pack for three-point percentage and two-point percentage. 
Um, when I was looking in at San Diego State, though, it is pretty much the exact same thing. TCU. No. Oh, TCU. Yes, they are bad offensively. TCU um, offensively ranks as uh, 170th for two-point percentage made and 330th for three-point percentage made. They average 68 points a game, where Seton Hall averages 72. <coughs> um, so I don't, I don't, again, I don't know a whole lot about TCU. I know they had a good season. They're, they went 8-10 and 10 in the Big 12. Um, I sometimes think these conferences get a little bit overrated, um, and we're putting teams that are eight and ten in um, on a pretty good line there. So, I, I I do think this is an opportunity for Seton Hall to win, but we've seen where they're you know especially in that UConn given the Big East tournament that their offense can go away. Right, uh, you know TCU has that great win over Texas Tech, and they get a win over Kansas late, and actually Texas just the other day. So they've got some big wins late. That's probably why they get the seed that they do. Um, they got Mike Miles out there, second team all packed uh, Big Twelve. He averages, excuse me, fifteen points a game for them. So um, they they're a good offensive rebounding team. They've got size. Seton Hall has size. Yeah, th- I think this is just a tale of two teams that are pretty. It seems like pretty similar, um, athletic, so, you know, players. Um, it seems like. Uh, TCU relies on Mike Miles to you know shoot a lot, uh, 15 points a game where no one else on their team averages above 10. But then you look over at Seton Hall, it's the same thing. Jared Roden averages 15 points a game, and no one on their team averages above uh, 10 either. So, um, yeah, we'll see. So, you know, rebounding will be really important in this. That's where TCU is looking to make their money. Also, um, Obiago needs to rebound for him. Jackson... And Roden had a couple really nice rebounding performances. They'd love to see him rack some up. Uh, you know, the big question mark for Seton Hall is, is Bryce Aiken going to play? Is that even a possibility? I see it's on the table. Uh, I, th- that'd be, I mean, it would be great. I don't know what kind of player it is. I did see, um, and again, I don't want to speculate on anything, but I did see he was at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally when a person has a concussion that's really bad, they try to keep him away from crowds. Um, so hopefully we're seeing that this concussion subsiding. But, man, that's a really tough ask for a kid to go, who hasn't played in weeks to go in and play his first game in the t- tournament. Yeah, and I think they've changed their identity at this point to really revolve around Kadari Richmond. Um, yes. So I don't think that he'll start if he plays. But I, he'd love to, you know, Willard would love to have him come off the bench as a little firecracker, uh, run a couple set plays for him to get shots off and yeah. see if they fall. And I'm interested who's going to guard Kadari. Um, Mike, it looks like Mike Miles is their point guard. He's six foot one, 195 pounds. Um, that will not be able to stop Kadari Richmond from backing people down who is six foot five. Um, and that's what we saw in a lot of Big East games where Kadari Richmond hunted that, uh, you know, the ability to back it down. So, I'm interested, can Mike Miles guard Kadari Richmond? And can now Seton Hall's shooters around knockdown threes? Can Trey Jackson, Miles Kale, Alexis Yetna hit the threes around him to make yeah to make it so that it were, you know, get some pressure off of Jared Roden in the mid-range? And the other question is who guards Roden in ISO? Because yeah. Roden runs as much ISO as anybody in the, in the conference. Um, yeah, it looks, loves the mid-range game. If I had to guess, Emmanuel Miller's on here, six foot seven forward. Um or, you know, you guys can tell me if you're wrong. <laughs> I don't know anything about them. So um, we'll have to see what happens there. But I think the only way Seton Hall wins is if Kadari can... I think the best way for Seton Hall to win is Kadari backing someone down and giving three-pointers to try and yet not. Um, looking at Hall's path after, they would be playing the winner of Arizona versus Arizona because Arizona's going to be playing. Right. Um, they're playing a 16. Um, I 
don't know a whole lot about Arizona because in the Pac-12 and they decided to play at 11.30 and I have a job. So. <laughs> Arizona's wildly athletic. They play that great tempo. Watch them blow out Michigan earlier in the season. And, and I've caught a little bit other than that. Mathurin, Chris Chris. I'm not sure if Chris, Chris is even playing, though. I don't hate Seton Hall matching up against them. You know, Seton Hall has the athletes. Oh, and that's the thing. Like, if, if, if they're playing the right way, here we go. Um, they have a chance. But... They, they need guys they, who can get the ball. But, in the but we bucket. saw again. And that's what they struggle we with. We saw the UConn game where they were just completely out of scored fifty two points, and that was a good offense or good defensive team they were playing. And it looks like um, TCU at least will be all right. Or right, we're on TCU. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not where TCU hangs its hat, but uh, yeah, I I think Seton Hall wins. But they don't. I'm going to say up. I think Seton Hall wins. I think Seton Hall wins um, because they have better athletes than TCU. I think Seton Hall wins. I think Jared Roden gives you a bunch of points and. Um, they just need one other guy to step up other than that. Kale, Richmond, Jackson, Harris. They've got so many guys. If anybody gets hot, I think they win this game. Easy. All right, where are we going next? Our third game. Moving Our fourth game? Fourth, fourth game. game, moving down to Villanova, Delaware. Number two, Villanova taking on number 15, Delaware, out of the Colonial Conference. Tyler, yeah. what's your research done? We know what Villanova is. Uh, Villanova is a, one of the best teams in the country. They are great offensively. They're great defensively. Um, they are they're one of the better three point. Um, they shoot a lot of three pointers per game. Um, they convert at a thirty six percent rate. This is Villanova. They defend and they only allow thirty one percent of their threes to go in. Um, Villanova ranks as you know middle of the pack for points per game, but part of that is due to their pace. Um, they rank towards the top half of the country in points allowed per game. Um, for Delaware, I you know tough for them. Um, they are they are very good. Two point and three point shooting team, or a good two point and three point shooting team. Um, they're ranked right in the middle of the pack um, for the country. Um, if I'm looking at this right, oh no, they rank very good as a two point shooting team and very good as a three point shooting team. No, I, I in have the them poor in three point shooting, ninety fifth in the country. Yeah, that's not, not poor. poor. Me, middle. Well, I just they're top third of the country. Um, they average seventy three points a game, but it looks like they are. Pretty putrid defensively. Is that fair to say? What I'm seeing is that they were the fourth seed in the Colonial Conference uh, tournament. Hofstra was the runaway, you know, number one seed, and they got upset. I don't think Delaware really has any business being in this game. Uh, they got. Oh, sorry to all of our Delaware fans who just tuned out. Listen at me, but um, I think Villanova blows them out. I don't think they've seen a defense like this, and we've seen yeah. what Villanova's defense does to bad teams. The only thing you worry about for Villanova is going on that Creighton game. If their shots aren't falling, they're kind of have a hard time offensively. But so does everybody in the country. So but, I'm just grasping for straws. But what? Here. But what did they hold Tennessee to in that um, early non-conference tournament? I think like 40 points or something crazy. Uh, you're asking me a question that I, I'm I mean, not going to be able to get you. I don't but know. We've seen that. I mean, we've seen them. I don't know what the final score ended up, but but their defense completely shut them down. I think Jay Wright has them ready to go, and I, I think this is a. Kind we've of a seen Villanova ball. have some. They held uh, Tennessee to fifty three. We've seen them have some stinkers offensively. I don't think so. I think most of the reason that Creighton um, was able to keep that game close is fatigue. Third game in three days. Um, Villanova will have a week of rest, and they're going in. I I think for Villanova, we're much more looking at the gameplay. Um, Jermaine Samuels played an incredibly good tournament, um, mm-hmm. Big East tournament, and we're looking to see if he's going to shoot the three with con- uh, confidence. Um, after being kind of an average three-point shooter last year, um, you know, 37%, he went down to 25% three-point shooter this year. I think his uh, struggles from three are well-documented. 
Um, it seems like teams are going to dare him to shoot and Brandon Slater to shoot. Yep. Um, and both of them sometimes hesitate, but Jermaine Samuels did knock him down, at least in the UConn game um, and some of the St. John's game. Yeah, and Eric Dixon also helped out. He uh, runs a little pick-and-pop action, and he can knock him down at the five position. Um, looking forward, they'd have Ohio State or Loyola Chicago as their second matchup. I think that Ohio State game could be a lot of fun. Uh, EJ Liddell and Jermaine Samuels, it's just, I mean, that's primetime basketball. Yeah, I I agree. I um Malachi uh, Brown uh, on Gillespie, you know, a freshman who's probably going to get drafted on the guy who's been there five years. Um, obviously, that's a matchup we tune in. For. Well, we're going to tune in for all these games, right? Um, yeah, I I think I've watched a lot of Ohio State this year. I think uh, Villanova outclasses them in every way. Um, they except that EJ Liddell, and if EJ Liddell scores thirty five points a game, you. Tip your captain. So, looking at the rest of Villanova's path, what do you think their biggest weakness would be if they run into? I think if they run into, I think that the, because we saw them beat Illinois or Tennessee by eighteen, I don't want to get into that as much. Um, I think if they run into Illinois, you're looking at a real problem. I think because Eric Dixon is undersized at the center position and Kofi Coburn is oversized at the center position, I also think that Illinois athletes with Trent Frazier and RJ Carabello can at least give Gillespie a little bit of a problem with, you know, slide in his feet, just the quick lateral quickness. Um, I think that Illinois versus Villanova in the Sweet 16 going, or Elite Eight trying to get to the Final Four would be a great matchup. Um, but I do, I do kind of like um, Illinois in that matchup. I absolutely agree with you. We saw um, Wright said that they couldn't put Dixon on Sonogo in the Big East tournament one-on-one because he was just getting abused, so that's why they brought the double. I mean, if Sonogo was abusing him, what's Kofi Coburn going to do? But, Um, I mean, that's a long way off. I mean, they're going to have to play Tennessee. I also think, first of all, I don't think Michigan should be in this tournament, but if Michigan, you know, they have a high ceiling still. You know, they're ranked fourth or something coming into this year they got their head coach back can they now create some magic of their own with and that's the same situation with hunter, hunter dickinson, dickinson is yeah. a true five seven foot one post player and they have some guys around them um again i don't think michigan should be in this tournament but when you put a power six team into a tournament they and you know a team that with a high ceiling that underperformed this year you always have the opportunity this is why i in my opinion you don't put a team like that in they don't deserve to be into in the tournament going 17 and 14 and i'm fully fine with saying this they don't deserve to be there they're 17 and 14 but they have the ceiling and if god forbid they figure it out that is a tough matchup for everybody and again they shouldn't even be there so we've lost all of our michigan and delaware fans well Um, yeah so all right so i'm sure you all agree all right, moving on to the next matchup. We have number eight, San Diego State, taking on number nine, Creighton. Yeah, uh, Villanova was 17-point favorites, by the way, just so everyone knows. I was saying that earlier. Thank you. And what is San Diego State? Creighton, Creighton right now is plus two. So San Diego State is the favored um, team. We we caught a lot of San Diego State last year. It seemed like they played some regularly timed games. Um, and we were able to watch them play, at least, or we were watching college basketball late into the night. Um. When you look at San Diego State, uh, they are a bad rebounding team. They're one of the um, worst, or no, they're not one of the worst, but they're in the bottom third um, for rebounds in the country. They are a great defensive team. Yep. Um, they rank out pretty much, if you look at it, their field goal, they give it the fourth best field goal percentage in the country. Um, and this is the, I have them second in the country in efficiency on defense. Yeah. They, I mean, they're, it looks like everything that you see defensive metrics wise. Um, is a single-digit number, or not a triple-digit, dibbit, dibbit, dibbit. Good numbers. Triple-digit number. Um, 
So I, I think that's where they probably hang their hat. It doesn't look offensively like they're very scary. Um, they do shoot the three well when they shoot it, but they're one of the they're a team that doesn't like to shoot the three a lot. Um, it looks like they don't shoot the two well. Um, for Creighton, they're coming off a really good run. Uh, they got to the championship of the Big East tournament. They beat Marquette. Um, they beat uh, Providence. They smacked Providence, and then now they're going to play, you know, San Diego State. I think this is an okay matchup for Creighton. I think offensively, Creighton isn't really looking to score a lot. I think this is kind kind of the two teams that um, are going to, we're not good at offense, we're good at defense. We're not good at offense, we're good at defense. So both those teams are going to, you know, they kind of amplify, you know, they're going to amplify weaknesses, but Creighton's not looking to score 90 points a game. So I do need to give an apology for earlier. Teddy Allen is not from Cal, he's from Nebraska. I was thinking of Matt Bradley for San Diego State, so I'm I'm back with it. Um, yeah, he's he's kind of their go-to guy. He wins Mountain West Player of the. No, that's not right. David Roddy did. Um, he's on the All Conference team. Yes, and slow uh, down, big fella. You got it. They also have the Defensive Player of the Year, Nathan Mensa. They have the uh, Sixth Man of the Year, Chad Baker Mazzara. So they they've got a pretty good team out there. I think they're the two seed going into the conference tournament. Um, yeah, it looks like they're going to hang their hat on defense. Creighton rates, rates out as the best defensive team in the Big East. I'm not sure I'd buy that. Uh, that's what the metrics... Ryan Kochbrenner is the best defender in the Big East. Yes, I believe that. And he was my pick for defensive player of the year. Both uh, our picks. Yeah. Um, I think you're looking at... Can Ryan Hawkins was off in the Big East tournament. He didn't shoot very well. Um, he led the team the whole entire year. If you're looking for Creighton to win this game... You need Ryan Hawkins to have a Ryan Hawkins performance where he puts in 10 to 15 points. Um, he averaged 14 points a game, but when we get to the Big East um, tournament, it just seemed like the game sped up a little for him. There were a few times where his, you know, his hand was on the ball, but it was, you know, he wasn't looking it into his hands. Um, everything he was shooting was a little bit short. Um, Ryan Hawkins is a big body, so he can back people down too. Yeah, he had... He had uh, 18 versus Marquette on pretty good shooting, but then eight against Providence and two against Villanova um, on some pretty bad shooting days. So, you know, again, fatigue. Ryan Hawkins played Division II basketball last year, which everyone reminds you every time he takes a basketball court. Um, I don't know the way Division II basketball sets up, but I don't know if he's ever played three games in three days in the last right, four years. Right. So, um, I love, I like Creighton. I like that team. Me too. I think that they really understand their identity. And We're I not biased at all. Uh, McDermott really understands the identity. Um, you know, they're, they're looking at San Diego state. It's Matt Bradley's the only guy who scores in double figures for them. You know, he gives you 17 points a game. And then the next leading score for San Diego state gives you eight and a half. Um, he's a six, six, four senior guard. If they can shut him down, I think they take the game. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like San Diego state has, They've played Michigan this year. They lost by 14 at the beginning of the year. They did beat Georgetown by 17, so they fit right in the Big East because everybody beats Georgetown by about 17. Um, I, I I like the way Creighton's playing. I'm really impressed by the way Nemhart or not having Nemhart hasn't affected them, and I cannot say enough good things about Greg McDermott. And yeah, he's could definitely star. be a low scoring game out there. Yeah, I I anticipate a game whoever gets the sixty first wins. They both play slow, very slow half court uh, basketball, and they both hang their hat on their defense. Yeah, so what's their path after this? Creighton would go and play Kansas um, as a number one. Kansas had an up and down year in certain regards. They do come into number one. So how down could they have been? Good question. 
Um, Kansas just has those tremendous wings and Agbaji and, and Lightfoot. Yeah. And um, who's the center they got out there? They got a big fella, too. A big um, fella. They have fella. A, they have a lot of talent. We'll see if that if uh, Bill Self can keep them. Yeah, playing, I, a, playing as a team, I think that's where. And you kind hope of Creighton apart. can, you know, Hawkins can get hot and shoot, and Cockburner can be the difference defensively and kind of change a lot of shots. Um, I think the sleeper in the Midwest, and we can talk about this as. Oh no, we won't be talking about this as much. Um, I think Iowa's peaking at the right time. The Murray brothers are incredibly good. Um, are we going to be talking about? This yeah, we'll be talking about that. All right, so that's about all we want to say about Creighton. Yes, we will be talking about because Providence will be playing. What a segue. <laughs> and then moving on to your last first-round matchup of Big East basketball. You got number four Providence taking on number 13 South Dakota State in what a lot of analysts are already calling an early upset pick. Yeah, Providence is only favored by two. They're going against the 13 seat uh, South Dakota State. Um, for reference, South Dakota State, the last time they lost a college basketball game, um, was December 15th. Uh, there was a lot. <laughs> Things are really different. Again, they play in the Summit, so I cannot sit here and say that they are playing the best competition in the country. It looks like they go as Baylor Shearman and Douglas Wilson go, both averaging 16 points a game with over five rebounds. So it looks like those are their two best players. For Providence, you know what you're getting. Um, you're going to have a team that is well-balanced. You're going to have Bynum, Durham, Watson, Horkler. You're going to have all these guys looking to score double digits. Um, this is how they played all year. Their offense doesn't grade out well, but you don't want to talk to any Providence fan about analytics right now. Um, just as we were saying, that San Diego State grades out amazingly on defense. That's what I'm getting for South Dakota State on offense. They're number one in the country in Effective field goal percentage, which is an advanced stat that tells you how well they shoot. Number one in three-point percentage shooting. Number 11 in two-point percentage shooting. Um, you know, they're going to look to punch Providence in the mouth early. Baylor Sh- Shireman, I can't say his name, was the player of the year in their conference. Um, you know, he's going to want to come out. He shoots 47.3% from three. He almost shoots 50% from three. So... We'll see if, uh, you know, Providence can slow him down a little bit. You know, they got Justin Manaya, who's obviously going to help them. Maybe they put him on Shireman. Shireman is 6'6", so that's about right for Manaya. Yeah. Um, and and Providence, if you want to look for some good news, you lost by 18 to Virginia. Then you won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 games in a row. You lost by 30 to, or 22 to, 32 to Marquette. Then you won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 in a row. Then you lost by, then you lost a little bit to Villanova. You won three in a row. You lost a little bit to Villanova. You won another game. Providence has bounced back after every loss. Um, that loss to Creighton was ugly. That 35 to 4 run, um, I think, left kind of everyone with a weird taste in their mouth. Like, is Providence where the annoying people on Twitter write, you know, that they are maybe a little bit, uh, Lucky, but I still think Providence is a good team. I do think this is a really, really tough draw. I think um, if Providence allows South Dakota State to dictate this game, they will lose. I think South Dakota State will run them over. Um, they clearly got a high-powered offense, even for the Summit League. Uh, you know, they, they want to play fast. I don't think they have anybody who matches up with Nate Watson. Their tallest starter is like 6'8". Yeah. Um, so Nate Watson's going to be going in with a 3-4 inch advantage on the biggest guy oh, on the team. Good for um, Nate. <laughs> so I think that, you know, Ed Cooley's going to have to make sure he dictates the terms of this game. 
but I could see this. I could see this going the wrong way for the Friars. I think that South Dakota State is going to just jack up a lot of threes. Can Providence get out there? Providence does defend pretty well. Um, they are rated out as a pretty well defensive or pretty good defensive team. And you know what? At the end of the day, Providence they know how to win. If there's one thing you can say about Providence this year, they know how to win. Ed Coy's going to have them prepared at least going into this yep. game. And if it's a close game, you better believe I'm not betting against no, absolutely. Providence on the stretch. If they can, if they can have a three or four point lead going into four, five minutes left, they've won the game, yeah. in my opinion. South Dakota won't know what to do because Providence will just like no, Providence has played too many. They high don't level make mistakes games. down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if Providence wins that game, they will be going to play Iowa, which is what I was saying earlier. I am. I do think this is a tough draw for Providence in general because I think Iowa's absolutely peaking at the right time with the Murray brothers. Um, and I, I don't think the committee did the Providence any favors by giving them South Dakota State and then Iowa um, in the second round, who, in my opinion, even though we are Huskies fans, I think Iowa's the best five seed in the country right now. Yeah, I agree. I think Iowa's probably better on the four line. Um, yeah, toughest draw of anybody in the Big East? Well, no, I mean, in terms of their first-round matchup, yeah. They're, they're, um, I think Marquette has a tougher first-round matchup um than providence does but you're talking about like a path in terms of a path in terms of where they're seated we're we're talking in terms of where they're seated and what they would expect to play against yeah i mean if providence could have somehow just got to a three seed without i think if they don't lose that game by 20 you know they're looking at you know one of the 6 11 matchups after they're playing a 14 which is much you rarely see an upset on that line um, you know, they had played on a three seed. They played playing Colgate, who plays slow. Longwood, who I haven't seen a lot of, but they play with Winthrop. Montana State, who I'm sure they would have beaten. And Yale, which barely beat Princeton today. Getting on that four, I think they're playing the best 13 in the country. And I think that Providence's style of basketball maybe doesn't match up great there. I, I, I might take Providence minus two there, but at the same time... Uh, you gotta be careful. But listen, Providence has had magic all year long, so that's what they're gonna need to go anywhere in this tournament because they got uh, you know some some really good teams to face. So um, they gotta keep that magic going, and Ed Cooley's been great with that. And um, so that's our NCAA tournament uh, preview show. Um, you guys do with this information what you will. I think if we're being if we were saying this, we would pick all six. You know teams in the Big East to go on. I think this is the best time of the year because we all ripped each other's throats out for six weeks, or not six weeks, like 12 weeks, and now we're all going to say, you know, if I'm seeing Providence play now, I'm going to be a Providence fan. If I'm seeing Seton Hall play now, I'm being a Seton Hall fan. Um, and, you know, any wins are good for the conference. You know, I we were first-hand knowledge, or first-hand, first-hand seats, first-hand watchers, first-hand viewers. We saw what the AAC did when UConn won the national championship there, um, they just promoted UConn like crazy. It's good for the conference when somebody gets to that. Um, so root for the Big East unless they're playing your team. Yeah, I think uh, we're all united on this one. Unless Big East teams match up against each other in the NCAA tournament, this is really easy to pick who you're rooting for. So this should be a lot of fun. Uh, this is, I think you said it perfect. This is Christmas. This is what we all wait for. Um, yeah. you know. And Tom Brady's the Grinch. Yeah, because he's just him. unretired. Forget him. So, we appreciate you all coming out. We're going to try to get another one out um, maybe after the first weekend. Uh, hopefully there's every Big East team's left and we can talk about how all of them have a chance to go to the Elite Eight or whatever. I know that's probably not possible because uh, they are all going to be playing each other at some point. But good for – let's go Big East. And uh, thanks, as always, for pulling up a stool. <laughs>